Yes, let me see if I can find you there. See if I can get it to work and read it. Oh, yes, here it goes. I hear a lot of noise on the line right now. Um, I've lied, Mars. Yeah, well, uh, you're actually very loud and distorted right now, so I think your your mic is very loud. Okay. Uh, I don't really know how to how to change that. Um, this is better now. That's this is better. better now. Yeah, that's better. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's continue on. I got the the thing up. Is this is what you were I think reading? Well, there is the mad scientist who works hard to prove his theory. There is the mad bully who works hard to prove his self-worth. And there is the mad magician who works hard to prove his beliefs. And then there is the mad monk who is satisfied, content, not trying to prove anything. No place to go, nothing to do, and nothing to prove. Is that the one that you're thinking about? Yeah, I think that, that that's what we, you were talking about with another student the other day. Okay. Um, that that quote actually uh, is is more of a point about mad magicians trying to prove what they believe to themselves, which is what we have with Dhamma practice most of the time. Uh, but if you look at what the other one is, is that he is not trying to prove anything. That he is content the way that things are. So instead of trying to avoid the others, we can group all of those kind of thoughts into the group of what you could call what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. And this is a much better way of, uh, of looking at all thoughts. And we can see what wholesome thoughts are in the sense that they take us to contentment, to relaxation, and that unwholesome thoughts are the thoughts of putting us to work. Thoughts of theories, thoughts of beliefs, thoughts of magic, thoughts of uh, uh, trying to gain status. And so the bully, if he would stop trying to gain status and just sit down and be happy with the thoughts that he has, he would be satisfied already and would need to prove himself. All right. Yeah. And so uh, in, in this regard, we're talking about uh, from the perspective of uh, what is wholesome and what is not wholesome. Yeah. Well, so how, how do we exercise control over uh, our thoughts? Because that seems to me a very difficult task as my thoughts appear to just come up randomly. Well, they do because you're not guarding them. They do come up randomly, but they're not so random as you might think in the sense that they come up random almost in the sense of one thing after another after another and that uh, they also recur so that you'll think uh, uh, about a and then you'll think about b and then you'll think about a again and then c and then a and d and b and d and a and c and they, you know just back and forth and it's not quite so random but that one thought will trigger another thought. And so uh, what we can do is begin to monitor the thoughts. We can begin to watch them. 
And this is what uh, uh, the Pali word is sati. Uh, that has been translated into mindfulness. But really, it's the quality to remember to look at what you're doing. Remember to pay attention. Remember to come back to this present moment rather than letting the mind wander away. That's what it's all about is the development of sati. And that uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong and it'll go wrong at the worst possible moment, which means that when you feel bad, that's when you need sati the most and you don't have it. It's not available to you because you haven't developed it when it was easy to develop. It's like if you need a 75 pound uh, weight in order to counterweight the 75 pounds of bad feelings that I have, I might be able to get that if I develop it. But more than likely what's going to happen is, is that I can develop a two or three kilogram weight and that begins to take care of two and three kilogram things and that takes away a two or three kilograms from that 75 pound weight. And so this is a much better way of looking at it is, is that each individual moment you have a choice of whether you're going to have wholesome thoughts or unwholesome thoughts. And that all of our bad feelings are there and have been our whole life because we talked ourselves into it. Yeah. We talk ourselves into feeling bad. It's another question of mine too. To, which, to what extent does it make sense to trace these thoughts back to like the very past, the very, uh, I don't know, like childhood, childhood relationships to parents or, or stuff like that? Well, the psychologists call that psychological archaeology, and <laughs> it's quite a joke that what we can do instead is understand that whole process and how we learn things, but that we don't have to chase one thing down. But they will come up naturally from time to time. You'll begin to put things together and says, oh, yeah, I see what happened. All right. So that's one of the possibilities. But looking for sources, sorry, that's not the way to do it. That's like saying, Oh, now that the cup has fallen off the table onto the floor and broken and shattered, let me try to put it back together again. Okay. The right thing to have done is when that cup, when that cup uh, fell off the table, you were fast enough to catch it in midair. Right. And that's happened many times. You've woken up enough to pick something up right in midair before it crash lands. Well, now you need to start doing that with your thoughts also. So instead of uh, looking for uh, after the cup is broken, what pushed it off the table? Both the broken cup and what pushed it off the table is irrelevant. The real question to ask is when things get pushed off the table, can you catch them in time before they crash? That's sati, and that's developed sati. Can you develop it to the point that you can catch things quickly before they go out of hand? Because often things will happen with just one thought, just one mind moment. One that I use, I think a lot of people have been in this situation so that you can see how the mind works like this. Is that say you're driving someplace to an interview, something important, an appointment or whatnot. And on the way there, you realize that you've left your cell phone or some of the important papers at home and you don't have everything you need. From that one thought moment there, maybe we'll search around the car to check to see that it's there. But within two or three mind moments, we've worked ourselves into a panic. And so we race back home and then race down there, trying to get there in the same amount of time that we had gotten there. But now we've got to make at least a halfway round trip instead. 
okay? And we do it with tension and anxiety, and we're dangerous out on the road. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it happens to a lot of people, and it happens just like that. Just one thought, just one mind moment. Oh, I don't have what I need. We go into panic mode, and now you can say, well, did my panic start when my mommy spanked me when I was four years old? The answer to that is that's kind of irrelevant, you think. <laughs> what we need to do is to wake up to that panic mode right here, right now, while I'm driving the car and tell myself to slow down and to take a deep breath and that everything is going to be all right. And it's even okay to tell whoever I'm going to see at that interview that I forgot something. And so I turned around and went home to get it because I thought it was so important for this meeting. Yeah. But no, we go into a panic when that panic is unnecessary. So, and so the question yeah. is, how fast can you uh, 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 become with your sati? How quick can you wake up so that one or two thought moments is all it takes? And you can say, aha, I see you. Before it actually turns that valve of uh, full on anxiety. Or you can turn that valve of anxiety back off again by nurturing yourself and then breathe out all of the blood stuff that's in the blood chemistry. You can breathe that out with Anapanasati and bring yourself back to a state of homeostasis, back to equilibrium, back to uh, everything's okay. So we need to practice this because I would say that for most people, that, uh, in fact, one person just said it, about 80% of the thoughts are unwholesome, random thoughts that just come up and come up and come up, and that are distracting in the sense that they distract us from the moment. And they're hindering us in the sense that they're hindering us from feeling the way that we would want to feel. That those kind of thoughts wind up making us kind of feel yucky or ordinary or or tired or, or whatever. But if you can perk your mind up, get it strong, take some deep breaths and get the body oxygenated and then put some really good wholesome thoughts in the mind, then that's a much better way to live our lives. Or at least it's a whole lot better way to live the moment. And the more often we can remember that, the more mind moments we'll spend in joy. I feel like from my experience that when I when I come into more uh, present states through meditation that I gain a lot of energy and well how how do I direct this energy inwards and in some sense transfer it into I into have peace? no clue what you mean by the word energy right but so, does either yeah. right what we can use is other words that might point to what's going on, and that is, in fact, that you feel energetic or alive. You mm -hmm. feel perked up. Yeah. Well, that's coming from the fact that you're beginning to breathe well. Mm. And if you breathe shallowly, the way that a lot of meditators do, they wind up in that shallow breathing to be, become oxygen starved. And the carbon dioxide builds up and a sense of tiredness and lethargy comes in. And some people call that deep meditation. Yeah, ecstasy would be a maybe more suitable word. Or, yeah. Well, they're hoping and grasping and clinging for something. And one of those somethings that they grasp and cling to is often given the label of ecstasy. Yeah. But is that a pill? Sorry? Never mind. <laughs> is, isn't that a pill? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah, I felt in the sense of the noun, but yeah. 
so yeah I, I just remember being on this meditation retreat and and not being able to to hold this um uh, yeah this energetic state uh back and um, also not being able to observe my mind in that way because the it felt like the inhibitory function was not was not um was not there anymore pretty much all right that's a different kind of energy i would call that kind of energy agitation mm. that you were so agitated so pumped up that you in fact couldn't watch your mind yeah. where the kind of uh uh bright sharp mind that we're actually talking about which could be used with the word uh energy or uh vibrantly alive would be another word to use uh is just that you are right on top of those thoughts you're really quite aware of what's going on that you're really here now to where when someone's really really agitated that's like a camera that's not uh, uh on a tripod you have seen cameras that are taking photos when they're shaking all right and everything turns out into a blur that you need stability to get a really sharp image when you're uh, the higher the speed of the film and the higher the speed of the shutter, the more stable the camera has to be. Yeah. And so uh, and a lot of people go to meditation retreats and just continue on the same agitation that they brought into the retreat. Only now they can focus that agitation on. I don't have any books to read there's no place to go and all of this agitation that we're talking about can be thought of as restlessness and that restlessness is also boredom mm. and it all has the quality of this present moment is not good enough i need something without even knowing quite what it is yeah. okay and can you bring in some sati to wake up to that and say, hey, man, everything really is OK. I can relax. I don't really have to go do anything. I can just sit here and feel good. But very rarely do the students ever give themselves that permission because they're so agitated already. Right. That they they don't remember that they don't have to be agitated. And it also feels in that moment of of this uh, yeah energetic agitation, which which for me was a very um, pleasant feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. It was very easy to get carried away from that. So if you if you are having like negative emotions all the time, uh, for me it was rather easy not to react onto that. To say okay, everything will pass, and you know this will go away. But then for for positive emotions, it was. Well, those are wholesome thoughts now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, everything, everything's okay. Whatever it is, it'll pass. If we don't need to worry about it, there it goes. Yeah, yeah these are wholesome thoughts. Yeah. And for positive unwholesome. emotions, it feels much more difficult to, to apply those. Because it feels more naturally um, pleasant, I'd say, rewarding. Well, what you can say is, is that you have been talking yourself into feeling bad. Now it's time to talk yourself into feeling good. <laughs> In other words, we've been feeling a way that we have felt because we've allowed unwholesome random thoughts to occur. But now that we're going to specifically intentionally keep bringing the mind back into the wholesome thoughts, then that will allow you to start to feel good. Number one, to feel satisfied and safe or content. And that satisfaction is actually sukha, and that you can see that it's actually the opposite of dukkha, which is dissatisfaction. How does dissatisfaction occur? With unwholesome thoughts. And so we go from dukkha, dukkha, and erota simply by changing the thoughts that are in the mind from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. And you know you can do that. Yeah. 
when you remember to when you wake up yeah i'm just i'm just quite scared to get out of control in some sense when when inhibitory function kind of uh, falls away as has right. happened in the past well this is why the buddha taught anapanasati is because we're actually going to develop this sati on a completely regular basis till we get it functioning so that it becomes part of our habit. Right? How are we going to do that is we're going to use the breath as an anchor. That once we throw that anchor overboard, we're stuck right here, right? That's the sati. We're going to be on the breath. Uh, and so um, there's a certain amount of effort that is taken to do this. This is why the Buddha calls it right noble effort, to take the effort to, to actually seize or to take control of the breath. Now, a lot of meditation groups practice or talk about uh, just watching the breath. But if you're if the mind is just watching the breath, like from a distance, then um, let us say it would be like a cow herd that was off at the distance watching his cows. And then all of a sudden one runs away and now he's got a long way to go to catch it up. Okay, And so um, uh, a way to talk about it then is is that when we are just watching the breath, the mind will wander away really easily. But when we use the breath to develop sati, then the mind doesn't wander away so much. And not only that, we're actually taking the effort to keep coming back and to keep coming back and to keep coming back. All right? And when thoughts come in, we make sure that they're wholesome thoughts. So, on the in-breath is to be a long breath, not a normal breath. That normal breathing is like from 40 to 60. We go up to 60% and down to 40, leaving a whole lot of extra room in there. We're going to be more like uh, 75, 25. All right, so we're not going to completely fill up the lungs because that's a lot of work to completely fill them up. And it's also a lot of extra work to completely empty them. So we're looking for a long, easy, deep breath that's not a normal breath because uh, we don't want it to be done on automatic pilot. We want to actually have to think about every breath. Is this a long breath or what? Is this a short breath or what? Is this a long in-breath? Is this a long out-breath? That's the way that we have to work is to start noticing that. So sati on the in-breath, but if this breath is long, then that means that that sati is just there for like one mind moment of this long in-breath, just to make sure that it's long. And now we have other time, and one of the things that will possibly happen is thoughts will start popping up while we're taking that long in-breath. But now we just had some sati. So when those thoughts pop up, we can begin to judge them. Are you wholesome or are you not wholesome? Are we going to allow you in or not allow you in? Okay. And what we mean by that is, is that are these thoughts of the past? Are these thoughts of the future? Are these thoughts of work to be done? Are these thoughts of things that you want? Things that need to be done. Things you want to take away. Things you want to get rid of problems to solve, those are all unwholesome thoughts. And we also can use the word critical, that we as children were taught to be critically minded, that our whole society is built on critically minded people who are critically building a wonderful society while every one of them is miserable inside, being critical of themselves, generally overly critical. And so that's the unwholesome is right and wrong up and down good and bad i like this i don't like that past and future even thoughts of boredom looking for something to do 
We don't even have anything that needs to be done. We're not thinking about doing something. We're thinking about finding something to do. That's like the human mind is a problem-solving machine without any problems to solve. And that becomes the number one problem for that problem-solving machine is to find a problem to solve. That's his problem. (laughs) Instead of giving yourself absolute permission that, hey, we don't have to be critical. We don't have to solve any problems. We can be nurturing right now. We can take it easy. Isn't it marvelous? In fact, there are no problems to solve. And we can relax. And by having those relaxing thoughts of everything right now is okay. Hey, man, there's no problems to solve. There's no place to go and nothing to do. And everything is easy. I don't have any work, nothing in the future right now. Any thought that comes up about work that has to be done can be left right now. It doesn't have to be done now. And in fact, if I think about it now, I'll still have to do it later. So why am I thinking about it? Why don't I think about doing it while I'm doing it? Right now, I'm going to be able to think happy, wholesome, easygoing thoughts. This is all, this is a lot of it I'm using out of Sutta number 19 and Sutta number 117. One's right effort is to remove unwholesome thoughts and to replace them with wholesome thoughts. That's one's right effort. And it is an effort. And then in Sutta number 19, there is um, a story about a cowherd and that he's got a, a herd these two cows, not a, not a bunch of them. Poor Indians centuries ago didn't have 10,000 herd of cattle. They had four or five. Okay, and so he's going to take them down to the road, down the road so that he can uh, put them to pasture. But along the road, he's got to watch because there are food stalls, there's kids playing, there's all kinds of stuff. And he's got to keep those cows on the path because if they veer off the path, one of them will go to eat to eat some uh, uh, food off the food stall, another one will step on a child, and if he doesn't pay any attention to them, all of the cows are just going to be all over the village. And so he's going to be in big trouble. Everybody's going to be angry at him. Maybe they even bring the king in, give him a very hard time, take his cows away from him because he doesn't know how to manage them, okay? So he has work to do. He has an effort to put out. And he normally does that with a stick. He carries a stick along so that when the cow gets out of uh, uh, or starts to veer, when he can see that the the cow is headed off in the wrong direction, he can whack that cow with a stick to keep it going down the path. Now, this is not violent in the sense that you would think of it, but we do have to take the effort to actually, in a way, whack the mind to get it out of those unwholesome thoughts. Don't go there. Aha, I see you, Mara, is in fact a whack, but it's a very joyful whack. And the cow herd is actually joyful because he knows if he doesn't whack that cow, something bad's going to happen. So what a relief it is. Wow, he caught that cow, he whacked it in time, and now he can relax just a little. But he's got to keep watching because another cow is going to get off track too. And so we have to take the effort. One's right effort is is to be on guard, to make sure that the thoughts that we have, and and so the cowherd has to remember to keep watching the cows because this area is dangerous. But after a meditator practices this for a while, then the thoughts begin to line up. It's not so much work. Unwholesome thoughts can come back generally for most people at any time, but uh, for all of us, we can also get them to to line up one after another, wholesome thought, wholesome thought, wholesome thought. And and in this case, now the cow herd doesn't have to be so uh, heavy. He doesn't have to stand right there with the cows with his stick out ready to whack them because they're grazing now. 
He's got them in the pasture. And they can choose for themselves what grass that they're going to eat so long as they're doing it wholesomely. So he can go sit down under the tree and just keep an eye on those cows. And now he's really relaxed. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so this is a way of practicing is, is that we can get more and more and more relaxed. Because the cows are now all wholesome. The thoughts are now all wholesome. And what would we be wholesome thoughts would be, be wholesome thoughts about this present moment. Wholesome thoughts of goodwill. Wholesome thoughts of metta. Wholesome thoughts of joy. What are unwholesome thoughts? Thoughts about the past. Fixing the past, a broken past. Thoughts about the future, a broken future. So you let us say that you had an argument with a friend and now you're sitting in meditation, continuing that argument with your friend. Thinking, oh, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. And then Sati comes and we wake up and recognize, wait a minute, this is unwholesome. Let me have some wholesome thoughts about my friend. Wow, I hope he's doing okay. Wow, I bet next time I see him, we're going to be very happy and joyful together. We can let that old argument from the past be buried. We can start anew. So these are wholesome thoughts. And we can continue our wholesome thoughts until we get them in line so that we're having one wholesome thought after another after another. And in this regard, now we're beginning to talk ourselves into feeling good. Because we've been spending all of these years 80% of the time talking ourselves into feeling bad, giving us fear, anxiety, worry, uh, competition, uh, boredom, restlessness, fear of death, fear of the unknown, all kinds of problems because we can make up so many stories about how bad things can get. But when we recognize, oh, I can wake up and I can have positive thoughts. I can, I can actually create a, an impressively nice world. I do not have to continue developing the mess of a world that I got myself into making. And that as you do this more and more, you begin to gain a new skill. So far, we've talked about the three skills of one is to look at what the mind is doing. That's one's right view is to look what's wholesome, what's not wholesome. The second one is sati, to wake up. The third one is right effort. And once we put these things together in in service, then that right effort to take a deep breath, to throw out those unwholesome thoughts and to bring in wholesome thoughts over and over and over again, we begin to get the idea, hey, we can do this. We can do this. We are successful at it. And then something new begins to build, and that is not not just satisfaction and comfort, but also the quality of uh, uh, success. I can do this. This is possible. And so now we have a whole new set of good feelings, the feelings of success, along with the feeling of satisfaction and comfort. And now that's the, the, the fourth item on the Eightfold Noble Path of the Buddha, and that is uh, Sama Sankapa means right attitude. We change our attitude literally from being a victim into becoming a lion. Why? Unwholesome thoughts are for victims. Wholesome thoughts are for the kings, for the lions, for the ones who feel really successful at being able to maintain wholesome thoughts. So the mind becomes noble. Not forever, but for right now for a while. And the question is, can we stay on guard to make sure that no unwholesome thoughts arise until we get it to that state where they're one wholesome thought after another after another? And now we're able to sustain that state of mind that is joyful, 
free from all worries, free from all hindrances, have satisfaction and success, and the Pali would be pity and sukha. And we're also being able to keep the mind focused on the wholesome and sustaining it on the wholesome. We have just now added all five jhana factors of the first jhana. That's it, getting ourselves into it with these, this wholesome practice. This is the teaching of the Buddha, to develop and maintain wholesome thoughts. And it's a very relaxing state, very nice, very pleasant. So this is probably a bit different than how you've been practicing before because we've got several key features. One of them is this, uh, this concept that in the Anapanasati Sutta is actually called gladdening the mind. In um, uh, 117 is talking about right effort. And in uh, the Sutta number 19, it talks about uh, this uh, story of the cowherd with right thought and unwholesome thought. Okay, so this is very definitely the teaching of the Buddha, but yet somehow or another, that point is not well stressed in many meditation systems. That they, in fact, they talk about noting often in the sense of it's okay to have really, really terrible, low-class, unwholesome thoughts, but note them well. Because maybe you'll get tired of having those unwholesome thoughts. And if you don't even know you're having them, then for sure you're just going to keep having them. But if you at least note them, you'll begin to figure out, wait a minute, that's Dukkha, man. Let's get out of that. But the Buddha wouldn't say it that way. Don't wallow in that stuff until you figure out how bad it is. See the danger in it immediately. Wake up and see the danger immediately. There's no reason to wallow in it. And in fact, the reason that we're wallowing in it is because we not have yet been able to see the danger in whatever it is. Because when we do see the danger, then we can see the escape. That this is a story in other suttas where the Buddha talks about the gratification, the danger, and the escape. That we do things because we are gratified. That people, in fact, like to get angry, for instance. Makes them feel strong and powerful. But when they begin to see the dangers in that of how everybody else around feels when you feel powerful with your anger, and they look look at you and they see you ugly, and they see you as uh, uh, full of pompous and lying and can't think straight and uh, uh, wanting to hurt people, and... uh, uh, red-faced, all of those kind of signs when you recognize that, hey, if I'm going to have somebody to look like that, I want it to be my enemy. I want my friends to see my enemy look like that. It's not me that looks like that. And so when we see how uh, unwholesome and dangerous it is to be angry, then we can begin to plot our escape. And so we need to start looking because if we keep looking, we keep investigating, we keep our eye open, we keep our sati and our right effort and our uh, right investigation working, we're going to see dukkha a whole lot easier. We're going to see it faster. We're going to see it where we didn't think it was before. We're going to see dangers and things we used to take delight in. Why? Because our attitude is changing, which means our viewpoint is changing. We can see things differently now because we're investigating them at a deeper level. But always we put back to this uh, point about to gladden the mind, to take out unwholesome thoughts, and to put wholesome thoughts in. Using that as the guided light, you'll begin to see how many unwholesome thoughts there really have been around. Gosh, there's, you know, it's like unwholesome thoughts outweigh wholesome thoughts, like thousand to one at least. <laughs> Is sort of like the distinction between a lie and the truth. Where the truth would be wholesome and a lie would be unwholesome. Can you see that connection? Okay. So, how old are you? 
Uh, 22. Tell me the truth. How old are you? Within a year. Huh? I'll ask you again. How old are you? This time, lie to me. Right. <laughs> 24. Do, how old are you? Twenty-five. How old are you? <laughs> you see, there's no end to the lies you can tell. The truth, all you can do is hone in on it closer and closer. Exactly how old are you in the sense of years and months or even days or even days and hours? I mean, they, some people want to know that kind of stuff. It's <laughs> not important. But what is important is, is that it's close enough to be real. 22 is close enough. All right. 75. That's a lie. <laughs> and you get where that's going. OK, so a lot of the things that we have are unwholesome are simply because we're not being honest with ourselves. We're lying to ourselves, constantly lying to ourselves. Making stuff up. Living in a very, very complicated world, thinking that uh, that that person is uh, uh, bad, having bad thoughts about me, where in fact you don't know what they're thinking. And so it's better to stay in the real. And guess what? The past doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. It, it's not real. Nothing you can do to bring the past back. But this present moment is real. This is the, in this present moment is where all scientific investigations and experiments are done to prove science. And they keep doing the same experiments over and over again just to reassure themselves for sure right now this thing works. <laughs> and so that's science. Science is this thing. Is, does it, is it working now? Is this it? And the answer in that state is, boy, is it ever. Wow, so comfortable, so nice. Not an unwholesome thought in sight. Everything is okay. And so this is how one could practice. This is the Eightfold Noble Path, practicing it with the practice of Anapanasati, abusing the breath to keep coming back and grasping sati over and over and over again with each in-breath and with each out-breath so that you can then use that sati to, to point uh, right investigation. What's the mind doing? Is this wholesome or what? How do I feel? Is this a wholesome feeling or what? And so this is the way to start practicing. Guess what? Even after 50 years of practice, this is still the only thing we have to practice. <laughs> Except that now we've gotten really, really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want, like the analytical mind wants like some super fine explanation for complicated stuff. And it's difficult to accept just a simple Everything is just so simple. Everything is simple. But we have to be persistent. We have to practice because we have gotten ourselves into such a, a habit of being in unwholesome states. And so we have to be on guard for that. But guess what? That habit will change. If you practice it enough. Mm-hmm. Well, so you think you got it now, huh? <laughs> well, go practice this. Yeah. This is a skill to be developed. In fact, a whole set of skills. Sati is a skill. Right effort is a skill. Inspection, investigation, that's a skill to be developed. And right attitude, boy, is that a skill to be developed because most people are victims, they're not lions, they're not tough dogs, they're 
Oh, poor me. Oh, my mind's such a monkey mind. So be careful of the kind of thoughts that keep you victimized. Especially dangerous to be able to, to think that you're a lion when you're actually just a house cat or something. Uh, it's better for the house cat to think he's a lion than the lion to think he's a house cat. That's very true, yeah. And um, all the house cat needs is some practice mm. at being a lion. But most cats don't get that because they're cooped up in the house. Oh. Because when you let that cat out at night, all the birds in the neighborhood disappear. Who's a lion now? <laughs> And so, uh, but the victim is saying, oh, you're just a, uh, a house cat. And the champion is saying, there's a lion here. And it doesn't matter whether he's a house cat or a lion. That's irrelevant. It's the attitude of being a lion. That's the important part. I'm just having having difficulty grasping that because and I know in because the, in, in you had a whole lot of pussycat thoughts. <laughs> no, because in my past I was maybe um, identifying too much with with the inner lion and and acting out of that um, in, te in terms of unjustified grandiosity. Oh, you know? yes. And that in that case, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the pussycat who's who's acting like a lion because he wants to uh, get over the fact that he is a pussycat. Mm. I know what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. So um, what we have to do instead is get that pussycat to look in the mirror to find out that he actually is a lion. And therefore, he has to stop pretending to be a lion because he already is that. And one more thing, and that is, is that the real lion who knows he's a lion doesn't have to go around roaring in everybody's ear. That's <laughs> what the cat does pretending to be a lion. That the real lion is just quiet watching those wholesome thoughts with the with the with the one thought of everything's all right everything is fine because yeah. when everything is all right and everything is fine now the lion can sleep tonight it's only when the pussycat is freaked out of her mind that she goes around roaring like a lion. And I really don't want to be chauvinistic about lions and pussycats, because I kind of like pussycats. <laughs> yeah, you see them. <laughs> there's a lion agent. Yeah, there's a lion in there. <laughs> so, in, in that way, we're talking about to take out of the mind, not the pussycat, but to take out the poor me, I'm just a pussycat kind of thoughts. It's the poor me, I'm not good enough kind of thoughts are unwholesome. And to put in the kind of wholesome thoughts of everything's okay right now, I don't have to do anything, I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to come out of being a pussycat. I'm just okay right now. Everything, it doesn't matter whether I call myself a pussycat or a lion, that's irrelevant. The fact is, is that I'm satisfied. Content. So you're going to practice, huh? <laughs> yeah. I would uh, kind of the last thing I would say, 
um, that is because we're practicing something that is going to be a skill to be used every breath you take throughout your life, wherever you are or wherever you go, as opposed to developing skills that are most and best used while you're sitting on your bum in a meditation hall. I would recommend that you actually practice more often throughout the day. A lot of people say I practice one hour a day. I would rather see you practice four times 15 minutes or six times for 10 minutes. Or maybe uh, 500 times once every three minutes. Depends upon the sati. But once you get it going, you want to uh, maintain it for a while. So you have two skills to be developed. The first skill is to get yourself into this state, getting the thoughts wholesome one after the other. And then the second skill is to maintain this state, to become, to get on a vigil and watch to make sure that the cows are there. These are two different skills. One is whacking cows. The other one is sitting under a tree watching. To get yourself into a really wholesome state and then to maintain it. This is the practice of the Anapanasati using the Eightfold Noble Path. And guess what? Over time, the mind begins to collect together. It gets strong and solid and unified. And we'll talk about that next time. Sounds very good. Okay. Thank so you when, so are you going to, when are you going to call again? A couple of days. All right. That sounds good. We'll see you in a couple of days. Thank you. Thank you.